Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsbirth.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> joining us and being patient uh, we were supposed to be here with you last week to talk about that process we're here this week even more our information so we can um we can pump these two vets for info on uh what is a very very common question so we're going to be uh learning lots about that today so as usual everybody thanks very much on raw pet medic so you'll find us on patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics and as usual uh we thank everybody that can afford the price for a cup of coffee each month it really really helps out for us to do all these Things that we are trying to do uh, more flawlessly, and uh, yeah, so thanks very much. And if you can't afford it, no problem. We're always here every week um, to to get through these subjects. So, um, yes. so there's, there's just so much to talk about. But I have to admit, I know very little. Sometimes you think you know a bit about it, but um, the more I glanced off this subject, the more I realised I don't know a whole lot. I seem to know more about the actual vaccine than I do. Um, the book itself. Does somebody want to start us off and tell us a bit about leptospirosis and give us an elevator pitch? Let me ask you, first of all, if I may, uh, Connor, uh, yeah. with Dudley, what did you do with him with leptospirosis vaccine? Let's just dig into the, dig the long grass to start Nothing. with. You didn't vaccinate Nothing, no. him. Okay. No, I live in, I live in a, a busy town here. I don't see Dudley ever swimming in any sort of stagnant ponds or kind of water bodies. I'd be alarmed about mm. He goes down to the beach and he has no access to that ever. You know, a couple of running rivers, uh, forests. Mm. Uh, but honestly, there is nothing there that would... For me, I have made myself aware of leptospirosis and what the symptoms might be. He is an extremely pampered pooch. And I think that's as good as it's going to get for duds. And I, the more I see of my options in that department, the more I think there's a risk-benefit analysis that I'm making for the dog. And in my opinion, that is very, very even. And so I'm not going to potentially go the drug route for that dog. There's other dogs out there. There's country dogs. There's incidents of, of in certain areas that are worse that vets will surely tell you. But, you know, if you're living in the middle of a town, while I'm sure it's rat spread and all that kind of stuff, I don't twice go for it myself personally. And I think a lot of people on the natural side of things are probably thinking the same thing. They're a little bit wary of this Novavac, but um, a little bit wary of, you know, uh, there's just a bit of smoke there. So that's where I am with it. That's as much as I know. The thing is, I think you need you need rats, and rats are the primary thing. You can get it from other things in in the mountains and what have you. But uh, I think you need rat bus damp. If you've got rats and it's really uh, it's really open and it's exposed and it's dry, yeah. I don't think lepto. That's just a spermy little bug, and so it likes moisture. Literally, okay. I choose my words very very carefully here. Yeah, it just kind of wriggles around. It's, it it's a, it swims around. A spirochete. It's basically it's a little a spiral. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you, if you've got rats but no damp, you're probably in a better position. Or if you've got damp but no rats, you're probably okay as well. Yeah. yeah. So let's, there is a lot of confusion out there as to where lepto comes from, what's infected with lepto. Mm -hmm. um, there are, look, 30 species, about 300 serovars at the last count. But what we understand is that they can affect 
quite a number of different mammals, including man, okay, as well as dogs, as well as rats, mice, voles, um, all of those um, rodents are in there, cattle. Um, so actually, a lot of the ruminants can also get leptospirosis. So there is a serovar, which is um, uh, based around the hard joe type, which is uh, often seen in cattle urine. So, you know, this is where farmers get infected when they're milking cows, mm. um, you know, quite readily, and they get vaccinated against hard joe. And actually, I have seen a dog infected with hard joe. It had a tetravalent vaccine. Uh, the vets had assumed that it could not get leptospirosis. But yet, when we examined it as a referral, we found leptospirosis. We found a rising titer uh, that was affecting the kidneys and, uh, of that dog. The ictahemorrhagica, which is the leptospirosis in Herogans, Cirabar ictahemorrhagica, actually is the one that can cause persistent renal infection. So there are, you know, there's a load of papers in Madagascar where they're looking at uh, the rats that are infected and then the other um, uh, species of mammals within uh, Madagascar and which cirovars actually will cling on and cause persistent renal um, infection to be distributed out into the urine. So some of them will be transient infections. So they will get the infection. They may get um, organ damage, etc., from those but they won't persistently shed leptospirosis and others will actually get a milder subclinical disease, but persistently shed leptospirosis, which is then a risk to others around them. It's not as simple as they get it, they get a severe debilitating disease and will die from it. Um, there is so many you know, different levels of infection and how that can then be distributed on Okay, to others and other mammalian species. Guys, I've got a, a paper here of uh, from it was a, it was a study in 2016. You guys have mentioned it earlier before we came on mm -hmm. online. Yeah. It's a study in 2016, and this is a, a group the Vet Compass program of almost a million dogs within primary care practices, and they. Found, and they only reported it in 2021. I can't imagine the math was that difficult, but they, they took a while to report. But they were reporting 0.8 cases per 10,000 dogs, which if there's, I was, I was going on 11 million dogs, that means there's 88 cases, if, if those, those, those cases are correct. Guys here are talking about 14 million, so let's say about 100 are diagnosed if that group is typical. So that's, that's really I've, not very I've double checked those. Absolutely. And I've double-checked those figures uh, for some more recent mm. figures from uh, a place called Savsnet, which worked in conjunction with Liverpool University. Liverpool. Um, uh, there's mm. also actually the VMD sort of backed up with their own um, uh, uh, thing on leptospirosis. So they obviously try to back up about vaccination as well, but they look at actually all of the relative risks in their paper on leptospirosis, which is published online as well. Um, but also looking at some of the papers from North America uh, and they where they were looking at uh, from uh, Chicago um, and a few other universities in the North of America that were looking at the relative infection rates. So where they're looking at submitted samples that are then and how many of those from suspected cases, and then how many of those are positive? So 
So roughly it's running still at about 8.2% of suspected samples. And that was over 2,000 in 2019 were um, submitted to UK lab. So that worked out at about 112 in 2019 were actually proven PCR positive. And then the more recent one, I think it had gone up to about 200 cases um, uh, in 2020. Um, and that was, you know, again, doing the same process, um, looking at the, um, the sort of prevalence. But it is running at that 0.8 cases per 100,000 dogs, roughly, um, uh, still. So if you multiply up what the actual positives from all the UK labs were that run that PCR, and then you look at the uh, number of um, dogs in the UK, you get that sort of rate. And actually, really interestingly, they are reporting a rise in North America, but the rate is certainly no more than within the UK. Just to throw in a, a googly there, just for a second. Um, if if we if I look at uh, there is a Facebook group called No Be Back Left of Four our experiences 33,100 members there and when i look on there there's pretty much uh and these are self-reported by owners but through the moderator who is the lovely bridget evans and there is some moderation and she needs to see a vaccine document or some kind of documentation to to show that your dog has been recently vaccinated and, and and what the problems might be after that and she's getting problems with lepto 2 and lepto 4 vaccines almost every day reported for that vaccine which is about as unscientific as you can get however i think it says something there's a piece in the daily mail in 2017 um, Nobovac 4 came out in 2014, and in 2017, mm. the Daily Mail reports 120 dogs dead from Nobovac 4 in three years. So, if you guys are saying there was 100 leptospirosis cases uh, a year, but there's 120 dogs killed by the vaccine, and we're not talking, when you go onto those Facebook groups, rarely are they talking about deaths, they're talking about convulsions and seizures and terrible kind of, uh, you know, repetitive behaviors from the dogs, and it's awful. Uh, kind of maiming behavior that's been left after getting the vaccine. So these probably 120 dogs dead. I'm like, how scary is this vaccine? When you look at what your health body is saying in the UK, there's 50 to 60 cases of leptospirosis in British people every year. Nobody's recommending the vaccine for them. And so if 50, 60 cases and there's no vaccine for humans, and yet there's 100 possible or 100 cases in dogs, 140 a year being killed by the vaccine in just three years, and you must give this vaccine, that would be strange. So can I clear two points up there? Uh, one is uh, we do have a reporting system. And I would say to anybody who feels that their dog reacted to any medication, including vaccination, that they please report it. They can do it themselves. They don't have to have their vets do it, but the vet should be guiding them to how to do it. Um, it's a yellow form. We call it a SARS. So S-A-R-S, a Suspect Adverse Reaction. Um, uh, scheme form, okay? It's available online. I've released it before on previous posts. We can put it up there again. Very briefly, for the Lepto 2 vaccines generally out there, the reporting rate was around uh, 16 cases per 10,000 vaccines given, okay? But that includes 
all uh, reactions from lumps in the skin to um, you know severe reactions at the other end. For the lepto-4, the tetravalent, its reporting rate is 64 in 10,000. Now, you will notice, and I'm sure Nick is itching to say, well, compared to 0.8 per 100,000, wow, that's a hell of a lot more. But, you know, let's go down that route in a moment. So the point is that those reaction rates currently are looked at as about 4% of total reactions. So you do actually have to multiply those up to get your reaction <laughs> rates, which suddenly ends up that overall reactions could be over 1,000 per 10,000. A few of those are actually down to the vaccine causing the severe end of the range. But that can include immune-mediated disease. Um, you know, it can include seizures, as we've talked about. It could include even death. And that's really dramatic. And so, yeah, of course, actually, what the vet's doing, this comes on to my second point, is we should be risk assessing for those dogs, okay? You should be looking at, like, so, you exactly. know, we were asking what we were doing earlier. Um, if your dog are, you know, drinking from bottles, you know, when you go out on a walk, you know, because you've got the little water bottle drinkers for them when you're on a walk, or they are, you know, and they're averse to swimming, and they, you know, very much only clean water at home, they won't do anything, then you need to be thinking, is leptospirosis a risk? Not a risk for, for me or my daughters, you know, uh, because that's the situation. If they are, however, like my um, spaniel, who I posted a, a video of earlier last summer, um, who will swim in anything and she will drink from just about any puddle and she will go out there and she will catch rodents and rats and eat them, uh, these, you know, uh, in every water trough on farmland that she can get into um, because it's fun and it's water and she just loves to get in it. And if it's a muddy puddle, she'll drink from it. Not quite as as much. My my Labrador will do something similar, but she's quite happy to drink from, from most places uh, and she will swim um, in big open lakes, but generally she won't swim in all of the really frothy little streamlets and things like that, like my Spaniel. And those are the risks that you have to then look at. You know, what is the relative risk that you've got for your dog? Then there are some choices about how you protect your dog. Okay, we'll come to those solutions. Regarding the 8%, though, if 8% of suspected cases handed in by vets, okay? So that, for me as a layperson, that, that suggests that, you know, 8 out of 100 are actually leptospirosis, which means 92 aren't. Does that not kind of reek of that? You know, it's quite alarmed. Like, it's like, oh my God, leptospirosis. And we send it in, not. So less than one in 10 of the cases that vets think are leptospirosis aren't actually leptospirosis. So, you know, it, that would suggest to me that the heavy advertising that is done for this uh, drug, that I imagine is, is done for this drug, uh, might, would that not play into a factor? Like, what else are you wrong on 92% of the time, guys? Very little, surely. By uh, the time you're sending it in for that could I say, you know, spirochetes, okay, like leptospirosis, in the same family as um, things like Lyme's disease, okay? And not all of those cases of leptospirosis, as I was saying right at the beginning, are going to lead to kidney disease straight away or to liver disease straight away. Those are really dramatic cases that we'll recognize quite early on. And, you know, they'll uh, often say, oh, wow, that's definitely leptospirosis. But Sometimes vets will switch off 
because they've seen the vaccine and they'll assume that it can't possibly be leapt out, mm. whereas actually it could be one of these other serovars not covered by the vaccine. Yeah. And on the flip side, you can get some patients which seem to be barely um, affected. They will have a diphasic disease. They'll have individual spiking of fevers now and again. They'll have some flu-like symptoms and then it will pass and they'll seem fine for a month or two. In all of that time, they continue to shed the bacterium. And then what happens is they suddenly get another flu-like episode. They may get some immune-mediated disease, chronic things. And it becomes really difficult to say, is this or is this not? You know, it could be Bordetella. But what the vets have done is they've submitted samples and they've just gone, this is an ongoing case, which is really complicated. We're not sure. So they've just ticked all of the possible boxes to get it tested for those things. And that's why there may be 92% of cases that don't pick up leptospirosis. They've ticked the box to test for it, but they're not necessarily thinking it was number one on their differential. Guys, could this be a situation, and this has happened in human medicine a lot, is that we are using a vaccine against the disease that we don't really understand. We don't understand uh, how it's going to present. We don't understand which demographics it's going to affect. But, oh, here's a vaccine nonetheless. We've become a risk-averse society, let's face it. You know, we, we hear so many people that will report supposed risks and actually you know be talking about um you know various courses of treatment or avoiding certain things on a minuscule risk which is absolutely minor you know and actually at the same time we still allow our children to walk to school with buses driving on the road okay uh and actually they're more likely to be hit and injured by those if not killed than they ever would be from these supposed risks we are, we are risk-averse, and we use, do use vaccines because we are risk-averse, and I have no problem using vaccines if those vaccines are demonstrated to be safe. Yes. No problem yeah. whatsoever. However, as we've, you know, we've had half an hour now, and we've established that there may be some significant, you know, to the tune of orders of magnitude, 10, yeah. 100, 1,000 times more risk from the vaccine than from the disease itself. Yeah. And therefore, are we deluding ourselves that giving the vaccine, which gives us a little warm tingle inside because, oh, the dog's got a vaccine and now I feel protected. Yeah. yeah. But are we, in fact, dancing with the devil with, with the vaccine mm. to make us feel better when, in fact, the statistics say that there's this much risk of mm. problems from the vaccine? But it comes in a really shiny bottle, and it's good. Um, yeah, you know, and that's okay. For me, the risks would want to be like when Nick gave that figure of a hundred, and I'm looking at forty dogs dead reported by the Daily Mail. So when I'm looking at that, if I'm going to take a vaccine that has uh, known side effects, and you know, Facebook groups lighting up and that kind of stuff, if I'm going to take a drug with those known side effects, the risk for me would want to be really high. It would want to be like multiples of that figure of hundred, whereby I go, okay, do you know what? The risks of that stuff is worth it in my dog. And, uh, but not if it's nearly on par. I've got a couple of interesting little statoids here, guys. But leptospirosis needs to be done every year, okay, because it wears off. Only recently did that leptospirosis vaccine, does it last a year? Oh, it was, was how many years ago? I think it's on single digits when that vaccine only lasted six months. 
So people were giving it every year, but for the last six months of the year, your dog wasn't uh, your dog wasn't uh, protected, and yet that sclerosis cases weren't all over the place. You know, so I mean, that's there's, there's I've got a great one from Switzerland here. Can I just read out this very short paragraph? Um, Major Eight Al in 2014 investigated a minor outbreak of leptospirosis in Bern, Switzerland. It focused on a single veterinary hospital where 298 dogs were found to have contacted leptospirosis over 10 years. Not a whole lot. Not exactly an outbreak. Vaccination history was available for 251 of the 298 dogs. Um, of these, 95% had been adequately annually vaccinated for leptospirosis. 95% of so the they were case, getting disease even though they'd been vaccinated. Yeah. I've got one other interesting statoid. You couldn't talk about leptospirosis without mentioning uh, Captain O'Driscoll. Captain O'Driscoll of Canine Health Concern uh, revealed that the jab itself is possibly responsible for a large amount, if not all, of the leptospirosis we're seeing out there. I would appreciate your opinion on this, guys. Here's what she found. In 1997, they conducted a colossal post-vaccination survey. It's not nice that people do that. Thank, that that's a good sign. And um, they had, uh, Dr. Jean Dodds was involved in that. They had data from a whopping 3,800 post-vaccine candidates. The participants were asked to list their dogs' illness and state how soon they occurred after the date of vaccination. The aim was to see if there was a time frame bias between vaccination and the onset of illness. The results were simply breathtaking. To skip through all of them that were very, very interesting, such as 68% of reported parvovirus recurred within three months of vaccination. That can be an age thing. But this one, 100% of dogs contracted leptospirosis <laughs> within three months of vaccination. That should have been 25% every quarter. They shouldn't all be gathered after the shot. Uh, there would only be a very small number of dogs in that that got leptospirosis, and I grant all that. But there are some interesting things where you go, oh, um, and, and I would just like to add into that that look, the the antibody response, okay, is not relevant in leptospirosis. Yes, you will get a rising titer, okay, uh, but even with wild type infection, you will only get a rising titer in that first three months, usually of infection. After that, it's actually something called cellular immunity, which becomes more responsible for the immunity. So whether you've vaccinated or had wild type. Uh, infection, usually within three months, the antibody levels have gone, okay, and it's actually reliant on cells within your immune system recognizing those bacterium, but that's what we're dealing with here, not a virus, a bacterium, and to actually then see how long that lasts is really difficult because we can't monitor with antibodies, so you're then having to do a challenge study. So the reason that many of these studies end uh, around 15 months, I did find one from the late 90s that went to 15 months by Mariel, um, uh, and they actually were quite happy with their cover for 15 months. But they stated to me when I did a personal communication with them, it was not ethical to challenge dogs with live leptospirosis continually in these cases because they were getting death and they felt that actually it wasn't fair, even though 80% cover at the um, 15 month stage, there's 20% of the dogs that were challenged. So that it becomes expensive, but it also becomes unethical to start challenging dogs with a bacterium that could kill them and then working out how many of those would, would pass away. 
so that's why they said that they couldn't ethically do long-term studies that Nick's talking about there. Um, mm. Because you're going to get a, a, a difficult ethical challenge um, if you're going to do those tests. It yeah. would be lovely if we could look at that, um, but I think that's the ethical challenge that would come in to sway the so, other way. I'm not so saying Nick's wrong. I'm just saying, you know, and I'm certainly saying... Yeah, it must have been done by a university, though, with uh, people with hearts as opposed to big pharma. <laughs> because surely he's got big pharma and ethical studies. Give me a break. Listen, we've only got five minutes left. What do people do? Oh, wow. do you, uh, give us some safe options. What are, the, what, what are our options here for the, for the dog owners? Okay. I would like to come in. Very first thing is risk assess. Okay, so if you've got a dog who's kept outdoors, drinks from muddy puddles, um, you know, is constantly hunting wild critters around the world. So let's, you know, let's pretend, you know, you're in North America and you've got raccoons, you know, uh, is a regular problem, you know, in the UK, if they're out there um, with rats and things like that, or they're in heavy dog population. So maybe they are regularly going into massive groups of dogs, okay, because um, there is a dog-to-dog -dog version of canicula that you need to consider. Um, then those would be situations where you should discuss with your vet about the relative risk for your dog and make an informed choice around vaccination or avoiding, you know, changing the behavior you have for how you keep your dog in order to minimize those risks. Okay, so that would be the first point. Um, and then I'll come on to a second point about choosing, if you choose a vaccine, how you know, what you should consider to choose and why some changes have happened. Nick, would you like to and, put some other I, things Yeah, in? I would say if, if they're not a water baby, then the, the likelihood of them uh, of hitting the rat plus dampness is, is much reduced. I used to chat to uh, Prof. Al Thompson, no relation at Glasgow University. He retired probably 10, 15 years ago. But he used to say, that, and he wasn't a fan of Lepto 2, this is before Lepto 4 came along. And, and the, the Lepto 2 was for Canicola and it for Hemorrhagica. And he said that in the 30 years that he'd been working, the only dogs that he ever saw the Canicola and Ipto, Ipto Hemorrhagica, i.e. those which the, the, the typical British um, leptosclerosis ones, were in young working dogs, so these spaniels, these were the labs, who were just getting filthy on a regular basis. They were also getting very cold and mm. you know, hungry and, and, mm. and fatigued on a regular basis. So there was, you know, very, 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 very much challenge. So that was his take on that. Brendan, back to you. Yeah, so I'm saying if you I, have I, to choose something, you've got a little, a little, uh, a, a top tip. A rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, the majority of people, and this is something we put through with Catherine Driscoll, and, and I was actually really impressed with Marielle. They listened to people's concerns, which is really strange for many pharmaceutical companies. And actually, uh, a lot of people recognized they didn't like the fact that leptospires have grown on uh, a bovine albumin soup, okay, uh, so that's protein soup, uh, how you grow those bacteria. Uh, they then effectively kill those bacteria uh, with something called thiomersal, the mercury salt. Okay, now many vets will go, oh, well, it's it's put into an organic compound which stops the mercury being active. 
that's another argument, but it's not pleasant to think that that mercury is in there. And actually, there are hazmat um, uh, things that you have to go through. If you drop a vial, you're supposed to close the room and basically sweep that vial up with people in hazmat suits okay, uh, to, to, to stop you getting exposed to the mercury because we're very anti-mercury. If you, if you drop a fluorescent bulb, you're supposed to do the same thing. So, you know, there, there's those sort of things out there because there is mercury in fluorescent bulbs. Um, but let's go to, yes, we were injecting those into dogs and people didn't like that, okay? And so interestingly, Marielle, who are now part of Boehringer, actually created a vaccine uh, where they don't even use thimerosal in any part of the production. So it's not washed out. They just don't have it in the manufacturing plant. Okay, at all. The other aspect, which is the adjuvant thing that irritates the immune system with something else, which is often neurotoxin, which is aluminium hydroxide. Okay, is found in many, many uh, vaccines. Again, Marielle took that adjuvant out of their vaccine. So what then the other aspect that they did was they reduced the protein levels. So they washed out a lot of the bovine albumin within there they could reduce the amount of um, actual ad antigen within their vaccine and still get the immune response that was required. I would say it does include gripotyposa, so it is something that if people you know, are going abroad with their dogs, then that does give cover against that too. The gripotyposa is not really useful in the UK, um, but on balance, in the scheme of things, there are so many other um, pros to it, not having the adjuvant, not having the thiamersalin, having reduced protein level, um, that, that I felt that it was worth giving to my spaniel as protection to give them that initial. Like, what's the name of that so, brand it's somewhere so people can... Yeah, I will do indeed. I will put it up here. And so, Brent, if they take out, because uh, many times these big companies will say, oh, we've taken out X. For example, they'll take out laurel, sul laurel sulfate from soapy things, but they'll just put something else, which is equally bad, but it doesn't have the reputation. Um, so uh, what do they put in instead as, a, as an adjuvant? They don't need it. No, no they adjuvant. They just, they, no. they just put the, the antigen in. They wash yeah. off the bone broth, and, yeah. and, and, and that's sufficient to get a decent response. That's okay. interesting. That's, that's a good old-fashioned vaccine. Immunologically, okay, these serovars are the same in different vaccines. So if your vet is suddenly going, um, and, and this sort of reflects what the paper was saying uh, on the European consensus, that actually if you had a, another type of leptospirosis vaccine, okay, they, there was only one vaccine that ever split the leptospirosis apart and used individual components, and that's no longer in existence. The ones that they use now uses the entire bacterium on the outside, okay? It is one bacterium. The serovars are the same. They're slightly different strains so that they can patent them, but actually the antigenic form on the outside is the same and cross-protect. And because it's the entire bacterium, not just a spike protein or anything individual, actually, if you immunologically, it makes no sense to go, oh, well, vaccine A doesn't cover vaccine B, because actually it's the same 
antigenic yeah. thing. The only things that change are the adjuvants and the other part within that um, vaccine mix. Interesting. Not so the total cross-reactivity. Cross-reactivity yeah. between the, the, the bugs, which means you can use different so, vaccines each year and yeah. they cover So it's only other. the valences. So, you know, it, for instance, if, um, you know, you had a tetravalent, so four options, and you suddenly downgrade to two options, then obviously two of those four aren't going to be covered, okay? Um, but the canicular and ictohamoracular in the UK is the common ones that we would look at. Um, you know, but I just say to people, you have to you know, look at the overall um, situation. This is off license. This is not on label. That means that they haven't done extensive testing, but actually... They, you can fall back to you know the, the common sense of immunology and how those reactions happen uh, when you look at these. And honestly, 25 years of doing this for our patients uh, within our practice, and we've found that we've had adequate cover, or we've then gone on to you know even avoid those vaccines if if appropriate. So uh, I would say. You know, it's not that I'm just doing it experimentally. Um, this is something that we've done, you know, to help people cover their dogs if they're at high risk. Yeah, I was just going to say the water body comment that we're making. These aren't moving water bodies. If your dog is swimming in a river, uh, he's going to be doing very well to pick up leptospirosis in a fast moving stream. You are talking about mm. ponds and whatnot. That's yeah, our streams, you know, know drainage uh, ditches, drainage yeah. ditches, yeah. and things so, like that. Yeah. water puddles. Ah, Permanent puddles, not temporary yeah. puddles. Yeah, not like just yeah. after a rain shower, people would be fretting. No, no. Mm. no yeah. I'm talking about, you know, they, that typical farm track where yeah. there's, you know, there's sort of ruts in the road and the puddles are there. Uh, and, you you know, you've got farm animals and rats running around and all the rest of it. Yeah. Mm. But I think yeah. the very last point that I would raise then is actually start to recognize the sign. You know, if your dog has any signs of jaundice, increased thirst and possibly kidney disease is mentioned think about getting them tested there are treatments if for early for leptospirosis okay so there are antibiotics that leptospirosis is sensitive to and it is treatable if left too long up to 50 percent fatality in those cases okay that were reported by SAFSNET. okay so it is quite you know, it can be a fatal disease if not recognized in time and if left too long. But if caught early, there are treatment options. Also, bleeding. You'll see bleeding on the gums. Ah. Yeah, which is in also, also cases, a yeah. sign of, in some cases, also a sign of uh, lung, uh, lungworm. Yeah, ah. angiostrongus really? lungworm. So if you see, see bleeding, kind of bruisey type bleeding on the gums, that's a bad, bad news. You need to get to the vet fairly, fairly pronto. So guys, listen, that is, uh, that is more than enough on leptospirosis. Uh, what should we do next week? Shall we do um, antibacterial resistance and all oh, the myriad yeah. problems going from there? What do you reckon? Connor, you brought it up. I'm just... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, actually, I'll tell you what, I guess the Hibib actually sent me the, sent me the piece, this new paper that came out, and uh, it's always a hot topic. And so uh, bacterial resistance... What is it? Where does it come from? A lot of people, it's really interesting how those guys get I think that's a great topic. It might not all be mm. about dogs, even if the first half was just about how amazing the pile of pink shit is for, for generating 
crazy stuff. So anti uh, anti anti antibiotic resistance. Oh yeah, let's do that. That's going to be a cracker of a topic, and that's something that he absolutely loves. So yeah, okay, let's do that next week, and then uh, we can move into some of the stuff that we're hearing. That uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've never, never mind piles of pig shit, you know, literally riverbed. How many antibiotic-resistant yeah. bacteria you will find in your riverbed? Mm. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's, 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 it's a natural always, thing. Yeah, it always stinks, actually. When your foot goes into a, a muddy riverbed and you pull it out, the smell. It's like, a, isn't it the worst? Black goo. You're obviously thinking of different riverbeds to us. <laughs> lovely Yorkshire Dales riverbeds. <laughs> yeah, no. Lovely. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, there's a sign that says you shouldn't swim in this river. <laughs> because it's beside a caravan site. And the caravan site was built in the 70s where they all have septic tanks. Mm. Um, but there were just holes in the mm. ground. And we used to swim and bathe in that river like back in the day. And now I'm taking my kids down there going, you wait, you see this river? We'll get the canoe out and the sides has gone. You're not swimming in the river. That's why the mud stank. It was poo. <laughs> oh, oh. oh I learned a lot today. That's great. I'm going to worry about leptospirosis and we're just swimming in poo water all day. Like, you know, give me a great man up, everybody. Come on. Patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics. If you afford the price of a cup of tea, Habib, you know you have it with your best selling book. So yours is a fine each month. That'd be great. Uh, and if you have a great, and if you don't, not to worry, we'll be here every week. But next week, we will be doing antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Why and how and who? Uh, so thanks very much, lads. I love that today. That was very informative. Thank you for your knowledge. Fantastic. Great one. And, okay. and thanks to everybody bearing with us, with us experimenting with Facebook and uh, seeing yeah. if this works. Yeah, so we're learning. Uh, we'll review this and we'll have a look through all of the comments. Hopefully, uh, answers some of those as well. So that's great. Good to see you all. Take care. Excellent. Blind, <laughs> <laughs>